You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Building the Buckeyes. I'm your host, Andrew Land, and I'm joined once again by SI All-American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia. What's up, John? What's going on, man? Congratulations on uh, making it to mid-November. I know it's crazy in, in Buckeye land with all the sports and recruiting, so I uh, appreciate you getting here and having me back on. Definitely, and you know, these next two weeks and possibly the next three weeks are going to be even more busy and even more important for the Buckeyes moving forward, so... You know, coming out of this last weekend, Ohio State obviously just landed a commitment from uh, Pickerington Central safety, Sonny Styles, who is actually the son of former linebacker Lorenzo Styles, and he committed just a couple hours ahead of the Purdue game. So can you talk a, a bit about what the Buckeyes are getting in him on the field? I know that you had previously referred to him as a monster back. He's not exactly tied down to one position. Right. All you have to do is watch a little bit of, of his tape, and, and you'll see that I mean, this is a, a unicorn, a hybrid, a freak, whatever we want to label him as. Monsterback is, is kind of pulling from the NFL a little bit where we're talking about hybrid athletes, jumbo athletes who, in a pinch, can play defensive back, but more so are, are, are going to be geared towards the box just because that athleticism has a bigger impact there in the box. But you, you'll see Sonny play safety. You'll see him play outside linebacker. You'll see him standing on the edge. I mean, heck, you'll see him in a four-point stance playing five technique or seven technique. I mean, this is a kid who can do a little bit of everything, and he's still just a junior, uh, which, which makes it that much scarier. I think in recent cycles, we've seen monster back types. You know, Desan McCullough, the former Ohio State commit, is kind of the guy in 2022, 2021, it was James Williams, who – as a freshman at Miami this year is making a huge impact doing some of those monster back things. But I think what makes styles unique, even among those three is that he's already lining up at those positions with success with Williams, with McCullough, it's more of a, of an imagination. It's more of, of a, of a projection with Sonny. We already see him doing those things. So it makes, us, it makes us that much more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt towards doing those things at Ohio State and in college versus just doing so as a projection like we see so much in this industry. But he's, he's elite, he's instinctive, he can play the run, he can play the pass, he can rush the passer, which is really important in this day and age. And he's got this 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six frame that has so much room to fill out going forward to where that can start to steer the conversation 
of of where he's going to line up as well. I mean, he's just a blank slate that every defensive coordinator in America would love to work with. So both uh, regionally and positionally, this is a monster get for Ohio State landing a monster back in sunny style. One thing that I thought was really cool when he was on campus for uh, a camp earlier this summer was that he worked out at, at seemingly every position group, you know, starting out at, at defensive back, working out at linebacker, and then even putting his hand in the dirt for a couple reps. Is that something that you've seen often throughout your career? No, no, it's not. It's not something we see every year, even. Um, like I said, there are some body types similar to Sonny's, but Sonny's one of the few to actually do it. The, the common place for a guy who, who works out in multiple positions positions is usually that kid who's kind of the tweener who has a chip on his shoulder because he's like I'm gonna work for this offer no matter where I gotta line up kind of thing kind of the underdog effort kid and there's nothing wrong with that those are great players with high floors walk-ons that become scholarship guys all of those things but it's rarely the elite player that's doing that so no we don't often see this especially on one side of the ball we see it you know with dbs who play receiver or running backs who play linebacker, tight ends who rush the passer. But we don't see it with a defensive guy who's going to play safety, linebacker, and defensive end, you know, in a 20-minute span. We don't typically see that. And then, you know, to further emphasize the type of competitor Sonny is, we don't see elite kids doing that that don't have to do that. I don't think Ryan Day needed to see him work out at all those positions at camp or Larry Johnson or whoever else, for that matter, to say, hey, you've got the green light to commit to Ohio State. That was already on the table. So I think it says something about the competitive nature of Sonny as well, just the football player, the competitor overall, which is what you want. If your best players, and every coach agrees with this, if your best players lead by example the, the best way, then you're going to have a really good football team. So I think this, this commitment means a whole lot and says a whole lot about both Sunny and Ohio State. You brought up kind of a good point about there being players who kind of do that those things so that they can earn an offer. And I do remember Craig Young, the Ohio State, Ohio State defensive back, who I believe he's a junior now. When he was being recruited, he was he was listed as a wide receiver by a lot of outlets. And he came to Columbus, worked out at every position group, eventually got the offer because of that, and then committed. I think Sonny is a bit different just because, like you said, he didn't have to go through that kind of stuff. But is there a bit of a challenge because of that uncertainty about where he's going to play? Always, always. Um, there's these these jack of all trades are often a master of none. But I think that's where the imagination of the coaching staff has to come into play, the development of the the seriousness of once you do get here and once you do, you know, cause remember this is, this is a 2023 recruit, right? So you're talking at the, at the earliest, this is a kid who's arriving in January of 2023. So you're talking 14, 15 months from now. So at the earliest, that is when they can say, okay, based on your body today in January of 2023, this is where you're going to help us the most. Uh, and I think it, there will be a natural starting point. And usually you play the law of averages, right? If you play safety and you play defensive end, meet in the middle and play linebacker, rush the pass or something like that. So I think that's probably an edge type of position is where it would begin. 
off-ball linebacker, maybe edge rusher, something in that ballpark. Um, and, and you filter it out from there. But you want kids to come in. It, it almost helps you in a way because he doesn't have the bad habits of a kid who's been playing defensive end for 10 years, right? He doesn't have those natural bad habits that develop from mediocre coaching at different levels or what have you that, that Ohio State would have to sort of unteach. So there's a push-pull, a good and a bad with everything in the evaluation game. But I do think the overall athleticism and the blank slate you're going to get from a physical standpoint is going to bring in way more positive than negative with Sonny. Will, will it take him longer to, to, to learn one position versus the next? Yeah, probably. But again, this is a kid who's a legacy player. He's kind of always been a high level recruit. Like he understands what is going to be expected of him. And, and, and look, it's, it's 2021. So everybody can come in at their own pace and still make an impact. I mean, look at JT Tuimolo out. I mean, he got there like the day before the first game, it feels like, and he's making a consistent impact the more that, that he's on campus. And that started as a specialist role, right? You see him rotate in on third downs or what have you. And then as time goes on, that role, that playbook, that, that expectation widens and develops into something that when, when it's really cold outside, you're going to depend on against Michigan or in the Big Ten title game or in the college football playoff. So I think it's, it's okay for the lack of a singular focus at this stage. You had mentioned that he's the, a legacy to Ohio State. Obviously, his brother plays at Notre Dame, wide receiver Lorenzo Styles Jr. Can you talk maybe a little bit about just the, the push and the pull between following in your father's footsteps and then also going to play at you know, a school that's being coached by, by Marcus Freeman defensively and then also alongside of his brother? Of course, uh, I would imagine a pretty tough decision because you're a legacy either way, right? And I think, you know, with, with Lorenzo Jr. there at Notre Dame right now, just a freshman, you've, you've got a day-to-day insight that you don't have at Ohio State. So when, when training camp is really hard and, and you get homesick the first time, you know, you're, you're getting all of that input just as much as you're getting the, hey, man, uh, you know, touching that play like a, a champion today sign, you know, gets me jacked up to, to play ball today, you know, so you're getting, you're getting kind of all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between and the real, because it's your brother. It's not a friend. It's not an acquaintance. It's not somebody who, you know, Brian Kelly said, Hey, uh, go recruit Sonny Styles when he, when he shows up on campus. It's not, it's not that uh, far away from, from your heart. No, it's, it's, it's somebody you're connected to. It's somebody you look up to. So you take, the positives and the negatives with such a heavier dosage. So I, I almost think it benefits Ohio State to have have dad had been there a, a much longer time ago, obviously, uh, to where you're not going to get as much of the day-to-day good and bad. I'm sure, um, you know, Style Sr. told them, the, the you know, the, the importance of balancing the good and the bad and persevering and getting through that first training camp and all this stuff that everyone says about college football that isn't so easy, but it being so far removed is going to naturally take away some of the casual negatives that uh, are present every day for, for Lorenzo Styles Jr. So I think it's, it's quite the contrast and I think it actually benefited at Ohio state. I mean, this is something that has been talked about forever, probably won't um, be ignored going forward either. Right. This is a, a commitment I'm sure Notre Dame's not going to just 
not text and not call uh, the rest of the way or, or even the other schools that were involved for that matter. Um, but you do have to wonder just how real the updates were from Lorenzo Jr. and how it was interpreted by Sonny relative to, you know, looking at Ohio State, which was much more of a traditional um, information gathering process. Yeah, I think you made a really good point there, too, with with how far removed his dad is from it. I mean, he's four coaching staffs and 20 plus years away from Ohio State at this point. So, you know, kind of everything that he's going to tell Sonny now is going to be more of a in hindsight kind of, you know, glorifying what Ohio State was versus what Lorenzo Jr. is then telling him. And, you know, it's the hard days of practice, those kind of things. So do you think that really that might have actually hurt Notre Dame here in this situation? There's no way to know for sure, but I can see it. And that's the point, right? You, you can see, you can kind of form that argument. Like it was, it was too real, right? Um, there's, there's a lot of flying bullets and, and these, these, so these, these battles that are so close to the family, there's a lot of flying bullets with them. You know, we, we talk to prospects all the time who have legacy status with one parent or both parents versus older brothers and it's just it's such a different information stream and look it's it's natural it's not, nothing against Notre Dame uh it's just one of those things that you know it is what it is uh and and, and you could also look at it in a totally different way and say maybe I don't want to follow big brother's footsteps because I want to carve my own yes your, your dad is a legacy at at the school but it, it, you wouldn't be playing with them right of course if he went to Notre Dame every time he took the field, provided that, you know, um, junior was, was doing well, it would be, Oh, here comes the younger brother, you know, like those little things could factor in as well as we, we've seen a lot of pairs of brothers go to different schools for so many different reasons. And that has come up in my experience as well. So there's a lot to read into it, but I do think that the dynamic of having, junior there every day and and an open and constant stream of information coming to Sonny really whenever he wanted it uh, could obviously have have an impact one way or the other it actually kind of reminds me a lot of when Sonny kind of burst onto the scene I know Pickerington Central was playing a, an ESPN televised game in early August a couple years back everybody was talking about Lorenzo because he was you know going through the, the recruiting process at that time but then I think Sonny had a, a blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown and you know, that's really when he just started getting offers from schools. And I think Ohio State actually offered that same day, that same evening. So, you know, I think you've made a really good point, too, about just, you know, maybe wanting to carve out his own legacy. And with with his dad being so far removed from it, you know, maybe he feels like there's not necessarily those ties to it as much. Like he doesn't feel the pressure to succeed because nobody really remembers, you know, nobody younger remembers when his dad played. So. Along those same lines, you know, it was obviously important for Ohio State to get a, a big in-state commitment early on in this cycle, um, just so they could help build out the class. And, you know, we saw it with C.J. Hicks in the, in the current cycle as well. So do you see this as something that, you know, helps the Buckeyes attract others in the state and just across the country as a whole? Absolutely, because now it's, it's not just a top target coming to campus, it's a commit. And it's a commit who has now be, has begun to have intimate knowledge of, of what Ohio State wants uh, and how Ohio State recruits. So it's, it's always an asset when you can get the quarterback on board early or you can get a local or semi-local talent on board early who has a big reach. And everyone's going to rank Sonny very high. I'm sure he's already highly rated 
elsewhere. Everybody kind of knows who this kid is. So yes, it absolutely aids in the recruitment of that class of, of 2023. It just legitimizes kind of the foundation of what Ohio State has to offer you. If anything, it would be so detrimental otherwise because you'd be like, hey, why is the top 2023 kid in Ohio or arguably the top 2023 kid Ohio in Ohio looking at or committed to another school? Like what, what's, what's up with Ohio State here? So it would actually kind of bring in extra questions if he uh, had ended up at Notre Dame. So I think uh, on the other side, it just creates more benefit of the doubt and streamlines the process with other 2023 recruits. Um, of course, we all know this, the, this battle won't 100% be over, but uh, typically, you know, legacy kids don't flip-flop back and forth uh, in recruiting, at least in my experience. So I, I think this is a huge deal for the foundation of Ohio State's 2023 in class, and heck, Notre Dame's uh, for that matter as well. Uh, so this is going to be something to watch going forward. You know, uh, Ohio State always recruits well. There's not a ton of targets left in 2022. So as, as you naturally shift beyond December to that 23 cycle, having him on board right now is, is going to pay dividends and create, again, that benefit of the doubt with, with others. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you joining me again this week, John. You know, it's always great to hear your insight on these kinds of things. Always a pleasure, my guy. I, I know uh, Ohio State will be bringing in some big-time talent soon uh, in multiple classes, so I'm sure we'll be talking again, but it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of Building the Buckeyes. For SIL American Director of Recruiting, John Garcia, I'm Andrew Lynn. Until next time.